Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, welcome, people, to Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. You're twice and sometimes thrice weekly um, into the worlds of politics and dystopia. Uh, you know, they used to call it current affairs, didn't they? Or topical humour. Or, um, or a satirical weekly. These days, it's just how things are. We're fucked. Now, let's try and have some fun with it. That's very much the vibe of this show. If it's your first time joining and you find yourself laughing along or, you know, probably more realistically, sobbing in hysterics along, um, you know, with everyone else, sobbing in harmony with the rest of us at the state of the world, nay, the state of the state, as the case may be, maybe consider joining my cult on Patreon. I will tell you more about that at the end. We keep it strictly hashtag Binfluencer, strictly booge. And yes, by the way, you did hear that right. Uh, some people start communities. Some people go on about building a community for your content and all that shit. I'm going the whole hog and starting a cult. Like, like in this world of, you know, fickle subscription based entertainment and the, um, you know, the what the... Um, the constant threat of being cancelled or swipe left or swipe... Like, I need full devotion. I need your full attention at all times. So, yeah, take a look at patreon.com forward slash aidthompson with an I-N on the end. Uh, there's a link in the description of this episode and indeed of all episodes, if that is easier. Uh, what else podcast admin can we talk about? Um, I'm looking forward to the Soho show. That's coming up on Friday, the 10th of February... It is sold out, I'm afraid, um, but there will be more of that, I'm relatively certain. Uh, relatively. I mean, you know, unless it turns out to be a total fucking disaster, of course. Like, you know, like the, the fire festival of London's satire and political thought scene. But no, I, I actually think it'll be pretty good. I mean, I can't go wrong, really. You know, I get to be on a stage with... Super Tansky and Danny fucking Price and Denise Headley and I think Jolly on Rubenstein's still coming, but there was there was talk he might have to bow out, like with a scheduling conflict, and someone else might have to step in. But like whatever happens, I've got the sweet deal because I get to just be associated with established names, BAFTA winners, guys. But if it all goes tits up, right, they, they're all going to be like, why did I, why did I agree to do this fucking nonsense with this TikToking motherfucker, you know? But anyway, let's, uh, let's get into this. Let's, let's talk politics, shall we? What's going on out there? So yesterday I did something I haven't done before. I asked my Patreon backers if there was anything that they would like me to talk about. And there's a couple of things that came up. So I don't know how we're going to do for time, but, you know, Let's let's see how we go. Normally, I don't take requests. You know, I don't really do Q&A stuff very often. I don't do requests. I'm not I'm not a bowling alley DJ anymore. Right. This is this show is typically ranting and roasting and, you know, me trying to make sense of the senseless. That is the vibe. Uh, and, and occasionally, you know, guests on Friday nights and, and whatever. But I thought it might be good to put something out there to the Patreons. And, you know, see see if they had something on their minds that they would like me to, to riff on, really. And the first thing that came up 
was Keir Starmer's refusal to back Scotland in their right to legislate on trans rights. I know this is a bit of a mouthful there, but um, let me let me break it down a little bit to you. So Scotland want to legislate on trans rights and Sunak's government stepped in and said, nah, and so Keir Starmer was asked if he would also block that legislation. And trans rights is a hot topic right now. There's this sort of, you know, growing feeling uh, that Starmer needs to step up on this. But there's also a growing feeling that Starmer doesn't take a stand and channel the concerns of the people that he should as leader of the Labour Party. And these two sort of hot topics have just met. They've just sort of overlapped. Starmer should be channeling the concerns of the people reflected by the Labour Party, right? Your unions, your picket line protesters, um, oppressed minorities, trans rights. But there's people like me who traditionally have been like, you know, just get the fucking Tories out. You know, that's the number one priority, top priority. Whatever it is that you're upset about him not supporting or, or indeed tacitly supporting, just park it. Just keep a laser guided focus on removing the Conservative Party from power. And then after we're in power, then we could talk about whatever the policy is that you want to actually get implemented. Right. But anyway, in this latest round of Starmer being a bit quiet when he should be being loud about something, right? Let's let's talk about it, you know? Let's hash this out. Let's thrash it out. Well, you know, whatever the phrase is. Let's be, let's be a part of the conversation, as some people would phrase it. So first up, let's, let's get some context in, right? Because I know not all of you are politics junkies. Some of you would have found this show off the back of my, you know, comedy stuff and others... You might know me from, you know, different parts and periods of our lives where you've been unlucky enough to have your path cross with mine. <laughs> Maybe you're not into politics at all, you know, but like you don't hate it, but you just, you know, you might need a bit of background to help ferment your opinion on this. So anyway, here we go. Here's the context. But I am going to try to keep this fairly brief because those of you who are into politics and do know this stuff will be like, oh, Jesus, we don't need all the intro. You know, we know, you know, it's, it will be like previously on dystopia. You know, you don't need all of that background. Anyway, stop blethering aid. Get into it. In the UK. There are about 200,000 trans people. I think that's the estimation. Which is enough to fill like what three stadiums right which sounds a lot you know three stadiums full of trans people but pan out a bit there are 65 million people in the uk so it works out at actually 0.3 percent of people it's a tiny percentage of the population who are trans and some people might call that a minority, right? <laughs> now, so much of the press attention, the sort of tabloid frenzy about trans gets thrown at the formerly male 
ones, right? The dangerous ones. The ones who might still have an evil penis. But who disguise themselves as females now. Shock horror. But it is important to remember there is a whole other chunk who were born female and now identify as male. And let's look, I don't know what the stats are on that. If, it, if there's actually more who used to be male and now go female, um, you know, maybe it's shitter being a man now. And it, that was really ignorant aid. Stop it. But like, let's say broadly it's half and half, right? And one half of these trans people are the subject. They are in like intense focus of tabloid demonization. What kind of demonization aid? Well, I'll tell you. Just be patient. Let's get into this. So there is a fear in some quarters. Funnily enough, the same social quarters that there's always fears about other marginalised communities. Right? Like, like, it's funny how the same people who are scared to death about a trans person gaining more rights and autonomy over their bodies and lives are the same people and papers and pundits that hate successful black women or eco-activists or asylum seekers like it's funny that isn't it i just don't like trans people well are you sure or is it that you just don't like any subset any community that isn't the fucking gerard's cross croquet club you know Anyone that doesn't look like you or what you were expecting to walk through the door. I, I hate trans people. Like, really? Or do you just love hating groups of people? Like, I mean, it's good. I'm not knocking. Like, I thought this was a story of hate and small mindedness, but it's actually a love story. It's a story about what you love. You found a hobby that makes you happy and good for you. You know how many mil millions of people out there have no hobbies? They're not interesting at all. They just sit there, brainlessly dribbling over repeats of Mrs. Brown's boys. There's millions of people like that. Whereas you, you found something that makes you happy. You are amazing. Good for you. Anyway, these same people worry that... Um, like, what is the worry? The worry is... That if we open up women's gyms, women's swimming pool, changing rooms, women's public toilets to people who were born male, but now say they were f they're female, that that might open the floodgates to rapists who will say, "Yeah, I um I I identify as a woman," and then they you know they walk in and you're there getting changed with your you know iPod earbud things in and you're minding your own business you know you you're humming along to shit trance music or house music ready for the gym and then bam behind you some weirdo is like, "Yeah, I was kidding about being a woman," pulls off their fucking leggings and lycra and shit and then they sexually attack you. That is the fear. That is the cliche that is being woven into columns and opinion pieces from the Telegraph to the Express to Talk TV and beyond, right? It's a fear. But it's an important part of this, okay? And I know it sounds like I'm mocking it. I'm honestly, I'm not. Because here is the thing, right? This is the thing I think people don't really consider enough on one side of this thing, right? Like, it's not just the likelihood 
or lack thereof of, of like whether that scenario would actually happen or not it is the fear that it could the sort of um you know the the, the putting women on the back foot piece to it right like they already don't feel safe on the walk from their car to the leisure center you know they already clutch their keys from the office to the tube station some of them don't even feel safe having an hour to themselves in the women's gym because their abusive boyfriend is like where are you going when are you going to be back don't talk to anyone when you're there did you talk to anyone is there any men that work there though who are you fucking lisa who are you going to the gym for who is all of this for lisa you know it's already pretty bad for women. And now the one place that they felt safe and unthreatened where they could just go and get changed in peace and quiet, unthreatened, you know, it, 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 that now that is somewhere that potentially a guy disguised as a woman could stroll into and gawp at them while they're getting changed and maybe even physically attack them. And that fear, that, you know, putting them on the back foot is a, it's a big thing, right? It's like, you know, I'm never going to know exactly how that feels. You know, because I'm a man, so, you know, ish. I mean, like, <laughs> like, ish. I'm never going to know how that feels. Like, there's, there's examples that are loosely similar ish like i am but i am definitely a man it's not like i'm a man ish you understand like fuck me what, what sort of hole have i dug myself into here? like but here's the thing right i i've been bullied a bit here and there i've had there's been assaults made on me here and there and like so i'll, I'll give you an example one guy one guy was a friend of a friend and he probably still to this day thinks i was the guy who he mistook me for. Right, this is quite a fucked up story, actually. I'll just... Let's let's take five, and I'll just kind of bore you with it, and then I'll circle back in traditional A. Thompson rambling tangent fashion. Here we go. So this guy, he's a friend of a friend. We'll call him um, Mark. Because, you know, that was his name. Uh, I knew Mark through other people, right? I'd never really said a word to him. I knew of him... But I was a periphery figure to him and he was sort of a periphery figure to me. And, like you know, I didn't ever talk to him directly, but he was at places I was at. Right. And this guy was about he was about 10 years older than the rest of us. And he was built like a brick shithouse. And, you know, he skated in the same skate park as us and he drank cider and he was like us. But he was like way more tonk and he was a black belt in something. And it, it, he was always in fights and shit. And anyway, one Friday night. We were all in the pub that we all always went to. And I go to the bog with my mate. And uh, when we're in there, Mark comes in. And I, you know, I recognize him, obviously. So I just go, hey, you know, like, hey, what's up? And he's like, all right. You know, like, like, obviously frosty. And, you know, like, having the self-esteem that I do, like, if someone's shitty with me, I don't react the way that you guys do, right? <laughs> Like a normal person would, where you would go, all right, weirdo, <laughs> you know, all right, you know, like they go, all right, and you're like, mm -hmm. you know, and then you get back to 
taking your piss in the overflowing urinal that obviously hasn't been cleaned in a fucking decade. But like for me, I wouldn't do that. Like for me, if someone's cunty to me, immediately I'm like, what What did I do? Like how, <laughs> how have they figured out that I'm a piece of shit already, you know? So anyway, he looks at me and he's like, I saw you in Reading the other week. And I'm like, huh? Wait, wait, when when was this? Because like, you know, I'm from Maidenhead. This was in Maidenhead. And I did go out in Reading, but not that often. Um, so I was like, wait, wait, when when was this? You saw me in Reading? He's like, weekend before last. He was like, I was getting shit from those Asian kids on the train platform and you didn't lift a fucking finger to help. And I'm like, hang on, like I've been in, I've been in Canterbury the last two weekends. Because like I was my girlfriend at the time was at kent university and i was driving down there every weekend or every other weekend and anyway i remember that the weekend that he said i was in reading on this train platform i certainly wasn't in reading and i was definitely in kent university right and anyway like he just then stands back and he's like no no i i never forget a face right and i'm at this point i'm thinking you obviously do because i definitely wasn't there and i don't remember any sort of altercation with asian kids and you know but i'm frozen because this guy is hard as nails he's just a sack of muscle he's 10 years older than me and he's calling me a liar basically and like i just stood back i you know i didn't know what to do or say i'm frozen you know I didn't know how to handle this anger, this accusation. Like, I don't even know what he's accusing me of, but he seems very cross about it, right? <laughs> and I don't know if me saying that I had been in Canterbury threw him off, right? But, you know, like, he, he maybe he was thinking, oh, shit, you know, I, I made up a thing and now it was obviously not him, so now I feel silly. But anyway, at that point, he looks over at my mate who remember he came into the bulk with me and he goes, what are you looking at? Like that. And my mate's like, oh, um, uh, nothing. Uh, I'm just, and this Mark guy launches at him, smashes him in the face. He's on the floor. Just this pubby, cold, unclean, bog tiled floor. And Mark is just beating the shit out of him now. And I, I dart out like a coward, like the worst friend ever run out to go and call the bouncers over. Right. But like, I, I still don't really know what's happened, but I know that I need to get the bouncers and the landlady. And it's anyway, the landlady of the pub comes over um, and she sees my mate in the toilet, right. With the blood down his face and it's all over his shirt. And by this point, this Mark guy has run out of the toilet, back out to the beer garden. And so me, my mate, the landlady, the bouncer, we all go out into the beer garden because this landlady's like, what What has happened to you? And he's, my mate says, oh, this guy just beat the shit out of me. And so she leads us out into the beer garden. <laughs> we all encircle this guy, Mark. And the landlady just says, did you just attack this young man? Right. And Mark says... Huh? Like I, no, I swear, I swear to you now. Like I swear on my mother's life, I've never seen this guy before in my whole life. Just the most barefaced lie I have ever heard. And the landlady, to give her a due, <laughs> she, you know, she made the right call. She, she, she told the victim of a hugely violent assault that both he and Mark should both leave because she didn't want any trouble in her pub. So that was nice. That was, you know, that was the right call. 
I think. You know, like some some people might say that that was callous and irresponsible, ejecting two men who had clearly both been in some sort of altercation out into the street together, face to face. Some might call them uh, that unutterably fucking stupid, tantamount to egging them on, probably. You know, like I, I don't want any trouble in inside my pub. But outside, crack on. Outside, you you do what you like. Just let me get comfortable. Let me get some popcorn and nachos and shit. Like, but yeah, I think I think she you know made the right call there. No ambulance for the injured guy. No police for the violent assault. Just the you know home county's compassionate, hospitable equivalent of don't bring your fuss on this bus. You know, <laughs> it's like, I mean, I get it. Like she's you know she's a pub landlady. You know, how she's supposed to keep her f- customers feeling safe when a man that she's failed to keep safe is there bleeding and making everyone not feel safe. How is she supposed to achieve that? It's like some sort of Schrodinger's public safety paradox or something. Can you can you please take your bleeding face out of my pub before people don't feel safe that they might not get assaulted in the pub that you've just been assaulted? Like, anyway, look, the reason that I tell you that story dear listeners, is that that was a time when I felt attacked. My friend was attacked. Violently and innocently, right? Now, if you told me to go and get changed for swimming or yoga, I would never do yoga, but if I was, you know, if you told me to go and get changed... And then you were like, oh, yeah, by the way, Mark's just going to get changed over here. You know, even if he's a fucking converted Muslim now, which I don't think he is. But like, you know, even if he's been to therapy, even if he's married with kids and way calmer and never drinks anymore. You know, if Mark's in that room with me, the fear is there. And the fear is unfair like just by itself right that's the kind of parallel that i'm trying to draw here is like even with the risk of something happening being quite small you have to factor in the fear that you're currently overlooking right the fear is almost just as damaging as any potential assault sort of thing anyway that's some context for you the other side to this this um I suppose this is, you know, why they call it the trans debate, right? Is <laughs> like, you know, I, like to me, that sounds kind of crass, right? It, it's like, um, you know, as soon as you call something a debate, it's like, I don't know, it's like saying the question of black people, you know? It's like, it just doesn't, it's not, not like, like the Jew dilemma. It's not, I don't feel comfortable saying shit like that. The gay debate, it just sounds oppression-y. It sounds gross. It sounds the opposite of inclusive, doesn't it? The trans debate. Like, you thought you were part of society, but no. You are up for debate. It's like, hey, Steve, um, do you mind, like, if, could, do you think aid could come to our lads night? Oh, oh, I don't know. That is, um... That is a big question, Dad. It's like that, right? It's, it's, you know, left out, excluded. Your existence or inclusion, that is up for debate. Anyway, in this debate, if we can be so crass as to call it that, the other side to it 
is, you know, as you would expect. There's people who were born male, but who now identify as female and are, you know, perhaps going through the process of transitioning. They don't want to be made to feel othered or segregated against or excluded by everyone having this disgusting attitude of like, oh, yeah, you say, you say you're a woman, don't you? <laughs> nah, come on. You're, you're, I'll tell you what you're doing. You're wearing a dress and you're changing your voice a bit. That's it. But you know what? My son wears a cape and talks all gravelly. Doesn't make him fucking Batman. You know, it's like that sort of talk TV attitude. That scoffing. Now, somewhere in between those two, you have to form a policy. Something that reflects the quite entry-level keeping women safe, right? And keeping women feeling safe and listened to. And something that acknowledges the experience of trans people and doesn't leave them feeling disrespected and othered. Somewhere in between those two. You have to write a policy. And Nicola Sturgeon tried to implement her policy or a bill in Scotland recently that kind of just erupted, just smashed these two sides together, right? The Gender Recognition Reform Bill, it was called, I think. hope I've named that correctly. And anyway, within this bill was the lowering of the age that someone can apply for a gender recognition certificate from 18 down to 16. Which would mean, you know, legally you're a woman then, right? At 16. And you would gain access to female-only spaces. But all of this came up at exactly the same time as it was revealed that a rapist, someone who had sexually attacked two women when this person was a man, they were now identifying as a woman and being placed in a female-only prison. And so everyone was jumping up and down, conflating the two, like, how can you be for relaxing gender-related legislation when we were already seeing instances like this? Like, we were already putting women at risk, and you want to loosen the valve more? Which is, I think, always interesting, right? This idea that we shouldn't explore something because a couple of people might take advantage of it, you know, is amazing to me. Like something like this will be tossed out by the UK government, right, by Sunaxar. And yet something like, you know, the VIP fast lane or the fucking deregulation of the housing market, right, <laughs> is like... Kind of the same. Like, it's like, don't you think somebody might exploit this? Nah, 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 it'll be fine. Just, just shut, shut up. You're, you're ruining it for everybody else. Just because one guy out there might be a little bit naughty. You know, like, but these these mortgages, these mortgages could crash the economy. These are junk assets. Look, like, you're not even, you're not even asking them for a proof of income anymore. Like, what the fuck even are they? Just, just, just shut your fucking mouth. You know, like, no care in that scenario for the one or two bad apples that might ruin it, that might exploit it and damage everyone as a result of it. No care at all. And yet in this one with trans rights, it's like, well, we can't, 
we can't ease these restrictions, you know, these regulations, because this this guy over here, this this one or two, they did a bad thing, you know? There's a real disconnect there. Anyway, the other thing with the hysteria around this, the moral panic around trans women in changing rooms is, and I, I think I alluded to this on um, on one of the shows last week. It was my friend Stoff sent me a voice note. And he was saying, and I agree with him, like he was saying this whole thing that women are unsafe in changing rooms and gyms because of performatively trans women running in and raping everyone like that that whole thing is rooted in the idea that these literal rapists like law-breaking rapists who would sacrifice their own freedom to break laws and attack someone that they have been waiting for the laws on public access to change and for roped off sections to be unroped and now finally oh now they're willing to throw on a dress and make their move you know like it's kind of ridiculous like i'm oh i'm fine with sexually attacking people I am. I'll break that law. But I get off the bus and walking into a room I'm not supposed to be in. Right? I mean, it's kind of stupid. But then here's the weird thing. It's like, you know, I, I put myself in, in that camp. I start thinking like, yeah, that is silly. But then I get back to this fear factor thing where like the fear itself is damaging and unhurtful and uh, not unhurtful, unfair and hurtful. Like, I don't want to labour the point here, but it kind of, like it does bear repeating, right? A, a lot of people will say, if you say you feel scared in a changing room that is trans-progressive or, or whatever, a lot of people will say, Jesus, like, get over it. The chances of anything happening are remote. But, like, another parallel that I would draw, clumsily though it may be, right, is if you've ever been through some shit, you will know that even the prospect that something might happen, like that can trigger all kinds of exaggerated responses and emotions. Like it's trauma, right? You've been through some stuff and now it's having an impact, side effects on how you now interact with the world. Like if you've been cheated on biblically, you're going to be way more wary of any behavior that in any way resembles the behavior you witnessed the first time around, right? And you might react to that. Even if the behavior this time around is 100% innocent. Does that make sense? And in a similar way, if you've been attacked or harassed by men, your response to the idea that, you know, someone who might still have a penis is going to be in that changing room with you, like it might be, I don't know, like fucking for want of a better phrase or you know way of wording this it might be your reaction traumatized your reaction might be understandably disproportionate right you might feel threatened even when there is no threat and you might feel not listened to even though you have actually been listened to you'd be like understandably irrational about it i know that sounds weird but if you've been through some shit before you might be, you know, it's about the fact that you've been a bit traumatized by something. It's about the side effects of that trauma causing you to behave and react in a different way to a lot of people or how a lot of people would do. 
And then it's about everyone else kind of understanding that a little bit, right? You might be understandably irrational. Like, firstly, to the fact that the person that we're talking about, this sort of this uh, trans female person who's using the changing room, firstly, you might be irrational to the fact that that person almost certainly just wants to get changed and go for a swim and be left the fuck alone, right? Giant odds that that is all that's happening here, right? But also you might be being understandably irrational about the fact, you know, it's a tiny percentage of people who are trans. So you might be being a bit irrational about how likely it is that you're even going to be impacted by the policy, that a trans person will even walk through the door of your shitty high Wickham public swimming pool, right? Like, what is the chances that you're even going to see one? But as I say, like, because you've been through some shit, because there's stories like the ones in the paper where the male rapist was put in the female prison, it feels like a threat. And so we have to kind of govern with that in mind. We have to kind of respect that fear. Anyway, look, I'm, I am positive. I am tripping all over myself here and coming out with a buffet of clumsily worded insensitive nonsense that frankly should be being said by someone who isn't a straight white man from the home counties. You know, like maybe it's time for you to shut the fuck up, Aid. Like, are you trans? Are you a woman? Then who the fuck asked you? Just why don't, why don't you just sit back, crack open a beer and talk about your own lived experience? Why, why don't you tell us about the time you got the they, they got your name wrong at Starbucks? But I don't know. Like, I'm I'm just trying to be understanding here, you know, with 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 all the context. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you know, Sturgeon, Sunak, Starmer, whoever. They have to write a policy that meets these two, like a policy that is up to date, that reflects the experiences and rights of trans people, you know, so that then they're a respected minority, but in a way that respects the safety and fears of women also. And that, you know, in a, in a long-winded, haphazardly worded kind of way, right? That is where this balancing act comes in. Because here's the thing. The English, and I say that deliberately, the English government, Sunak's lot in Westminster, have overruled Scotland's bill, which in itself opens a can of worms, right? Because immediately it makes the union look less voluntary and more master and slave, less devolution and more, we we know best though, you know? Like Scotland are like, we're going to pass a bill about something, you know, and then the Tories step in, they're like, probably not though, you know? And it's funny because it's like, you know, these are small state Tories, conservatives with a small C, who are forever going on about the state getting out of your business. It's not the state's job to look after your children. You know, like that sort of thing. Small state, small government. We've got to get the state out of people's personal business. And then Scotland are like, we'd like the state to stop governing uh, over people's genitals. Um, no, no, no. That is definitely a matter for not, not just devolved domestic government, but that is of national importance, Nicola. Overruled, right? 
And so cue the tug of war between Westminster and Holyrood. Scotland want to legislate on this stuff themselves. Westminster are like, fucking no. And it's so tedious. Because it's like, you know, fuck the dignity and lived experiences of trans people. You know, just just take all they they were hoping to be seen as humans. They were hoping to be viewed as people. And now they've been reduced to not just caricatures of trans people, but they've just become a football in a game of constitutional kickabout. And now Starmer, as leader of the opposition, as leader of the Labour Party, traditionally the home of socially progressive types, workers' rights, left-leaning values, and as someone who's 25 points ahead and is, unless he really fucks it up, likely to be the next prime minister, he is being asked what he would do. And he's like, well, I, I don't think I would uh, necessarily uh, sign it up. Like, he has a problem with lowering the age to 16. He has a problem with how it impacts with the Equality Act with regards to, you know, female-only spaces. And this has evoked tensions within his own party. And you can see why. Because, you know, Welsh and Scottish Labour, both of whom inhabit this realm of devolution, right? Both of whom want to be governing their own countries and just, you know, basically check in with Westminster on national and geopolitical matters. Both of them are potentially being overruled by Starmer, put back in their box. In the same way that the SNP are being overruled by the Tories right now. But with Labour, it's like it's another thing that pushes Keir Starmer's UK Labour Party back into the frame of Starmer supporting the Tories. You know, Starmer the Red Tory. Starmer supports government again. Like that whole thing. Which I find infuriating, you know, because, like, I don't think he's a Tory. I don't think he loves the Conservative Party or whatnot. But when, you know, when he does shit like this, I honestly, I just want to push him in the corner of a bar and just be like, you couldn't fucking do it, could you? You could, just couldn't give us an easy ride on this one thing, you fucking idiot, you know? Like, I'm looking at an article right now in The National where a Labour MSP figure, who is not named... Uh, cheers by the way says uh, he says UK Labour membership must respect that the members of the Scottish Parliament are sovereign in this matter and they added that if Starmer backs the UK government in efforts to block the bill then there would be significant consequences drawing battle lines there and then there's there's another quote from a lobbying group called Labour for Trans Rights. And they say it's horrifying to see that Keir Starmer cannot bring himself to support bare minimum legislation, undermining the great work done by Scottish Labour. So once again, Keir Starmer is pissing off various factions and subsets of his own party. And look, I have to say, I don't envy Starmer at all with this i think he's you know it's damned if you do damned if you don't sort of territory right like if he waves support through for the bill and lowers the age to 16 and and all of that stuff the right-wing press will maul him through the prism 
of the culture war. They'll just say it's Labour's woke trans policy, a policy that has already, I believe, you know, caused Nicola Sturgeon's team to blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, it's already resulted in a in a prison rapist guy. Like, look at the prison rapist guy. He, I bet he votes Labour. You know, it'd be all of that. That is how that stuff would go if he supported it. And if he doesn't support it, if he makes the calculation that, you know, there's 200,000 trans people. If I piss them off, but not the right wing press, if I upset a few more little Labour lobby groups, but not the culture war callers of talk TV and the disillusioned centre and centre right voters I've been working so hard to win over, that'll probably keep polling where it is or, or broadly positive. And then... Once we get into power, you know, like I really think that's where I think that's his game. I think that's Keir Starmer's bag. And a lot of people give me shit for this stuff, but I truly think that is what's happening here. I think Team Starmer, everyone at the head table, I think they're like, look, this country is obviously full of fucking idiots. They voted for Brexit. They watch Gogglebox and they love Peter Kay. We know they are fucking morons. So just listen. Listen for a minute, right? Just say what you need to. Don't rock the boat. And then once we're in Whitehall, let's try to start making their lives better by stealth, if necessary. You know, like play the game. And then effect change is, is what I think it is. I think they're placating idiots with a view to then quietly governing them properly, almost secretly, snidely. I mean, there is some serious, like, mummy energy to it, isn't there? <laughs> like, you don't know what's best for you. You don't know what's best. I'm sorry, but you don't. So just, here, have a biscuit, you know, and while, while you're preoccupied with a mouthful of Jaffa cake, I'll tie your shoelaces for you. You fucking idiot. Like, that is what the UK Labour Party is up to, I think. And we see it with a lot of stuff, don't we? It's not just trans-related legislation. It's the same with Brexit. Like, do we, do we honestly believe that Starmer believes that the UK shouldn't join the single market to achieve growth? Do we think that? No. No, we don't. The guy's a fucking qualified lawyer. He's ex-director of public prosecutions. He's negotiated the implementation of a new Northern Ireland police force. He's an intelligent guy. You think he can't see what's so obvious to literally every part of the UK, except for what, like three parts of Lincolnshire, according to that unheard poll. Like that everyone, literally everyone can see that we regret leaving the European Union. You think he can't see that? <coughs> Excuse me. Or indeed that trans people need protecting. Obviously he knows these things. But I think it's the same intellect that allows him to see these things. You know, that also allows him to see that he needs to keep his fucking head down, get in power, and then look at what needs to be done. Like, have a Jaffa cake while I tie your shoes, moron. Like that, you know. That is, that's the vibe I get from it. Now, how far do you think he would go with it, though? Like, you know, like with this sort of tacit support, this sort of abstaining. Like, do you think if I, if I asked him or if someone asked him, 
if he supports the new conservative policy of town square hanging of small boat asylum seekers. Do you think he'd abstain on that shit? <laughs> How far could we push it? Mr. Starmer, do you, do you support the hanging of small boat asylum? Well, um, uh, immigration is it is a complicated issue. It is one uh, the Labour Party has uh, has both supported and and tried to find solutions to to minimise and, and mitigate. That that is a terrible Starmer impression, I know, but you get my point. Like if he's so keen to not rock the boat until he gets into power, like how far could they push him? Where does that support stop? Mr. Starmer, do, do, you, do you support strikers, the, the, the picket line? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated issue. Okay, well, will you row back on banning protests? Well, I'll, I'll have to get back to you. How do you feel about the new Tory bill to criminalise other political parties as terrorist organisations? I, I, um... Oh, that is a thinker. So anyway, look. I think he's keeping his head down until they get into power. And some of you will say that's disingenuous, right? Some of you will say, oh, fucking great. So what, it's a, it's a Labour Party that pretends to be one thing and then once they get elected, boom, switch reverse, you know? And then what, like we further decimate our faith and trust in politics. Like, come on, Aid. Can't we just have an opposition or a government that just say what they're about? Can't we have that? Can't we, you know, and, and then the electorate make a decision based on what they said they were about. Can't we just have that, please? And the answer to that is no. <laughs> I can't even believe you asked a question, random listener. I just made up in my head. You can't have a Labour Party who just say what they actually think about shit. Are you out of your fucking mind? Where have you been? If they speak openly about nationalising shit and nuclear disarmament and trans rights and so they get mauled in the papers and then LBC and BBC and GMB and all the rest of the three letter acronym brigade take their cues from the papers and the whole shit blows up into hysteria right and about how out of touch or woke the Labour Party like come on man I've only gone through this shit like 37 times before there are people listening to this episode right now who won't hear this part because the second I started saying about how the papers maul them and then LBC take the cues from the papers, they're like, oh, God, again with this? Really? Come on, Thompson, get some new material, for fuck's sake. That's how many times I've flogged that dead horse. So, yeah, that is what would happen. And so, no, we don't get to have open and honest discourse for a little while yet. You're just going to have to hang in there with me getting waterboarded with focus grouped dishonest nonsense just a little bit longer. Fucking strap in. And look, I'm sorry if that doesn't, you know, jive with some of you. It's not a perfect world, I know. But that is kind of what it takes at the moment. Just keep your head down, get in power and then affect change. Or at least that's how it feels to me, you know? Just got to keep your heads down, guys. Stay broadly centre and centre-left. Like, shit like taxing private schools is fine. Because most people don't go to private school. And so then when the papers or LBC or whatever 
kick back, clap back, like people like Nick Ferrari or Andrew Castle, both of whom went to private school when they start attacking Labour for deigning to tax private schools. Like, that's okay. They just come off looking fucking ridiculous. Like, it's difficult for regular working people to get het up about taxing private schools when it's something almost everyone will never set foot in, right? But when it's something like trans rights or Brexit or the spy cops bill or the police crime sentencing bill, right? Like, like he kind of has to play the long game. He has to be okay with them to not get mauled by the press. And then once in power, row back the authoritarian parts. That's how I see it anyway. So look, for, for anyone listening and thinking, oh, well, he's fine with lying, self-serving politicians doing and saying, you know, whatever they want to get power. The answer to that is yes. Yes, I am, actually. As long as then when they're in power, they do the right thing. And that might seem risky and a bit, you know, hectic and low rent to a lot of you. But the alternative, honestly, is more Tory. Those are your options. You have a slightly sneaky, disingenuous Labour Party who get into power and ultimately try to make your life better, or you have more Tory. And another five years of Conservative government might be appetising to some people, not to me personally. Like, how's the last 12 gone for you, motherfuckers? I don't know. Here's the thing with Starmer, though. Like, everyone always says, like, he's a red Tory. He's not a socialist. He's abandoned all his pledges. He's duplicitous. He's an opportunist and, you know, so on and so on. And I think it's possible he's power hungry. And he's just said what he needed to at the right time to get the leadership and to grow and maintain a healthy lead. But the thing I always come back to is this, right? Like if he really held Tory values, if he really believed trans people deserved to be segregated or that the state should be able to torture people with legal immunity which was one of the fucking bills along with the crime and sentencing thing right like if these were actually his values and priorities and let's say tax avoidance and you know all, all of the usual tory checkboxes why wouldn't he just be in the conservative party you know he'd have such an easier life like why wouldn't he just buck off to the tories if he if he held those sensibilities he'd be amongst his own he'd make more money he'd get way less shit the papers would love him they'd probably reframe him as the you know the tormented lawyer who tried to take down jimmy savile but just couldn't get there in time you know why wouldn't he just be a tory it's like when you know sometimes people lambast me on twitter and tiktok and and they say, oh, fuck aid. You know, fucking mate, he's a centrist. He's a centrist dad, fucking Tory-like prick with big ears and shit teeth. Says he grew up on a council estate, but he, it doesn't sound like it, does he? He sounds like proper private school, proper BBC or something, doesn't he? He's a fucking right-winger, centrist, Tory-like cunt. Like, that is, you know, not exactly what I've had comments saying, but it's only very lightly paraphrased. The gist is the same. And it's like, you know, if I was, if I was sort of Tory light or centre, like, wouldn't it just be easier for me to be a Tory? Like, you think I wake up every day like, yeah, yeah, the, the alt-right grifterati 
seem to get Patreons and media bookings left, right and fucking centre, don't they? Like, people are throwing money at Darren Grimes and Sophie Corcoran and trigonometry ended up on fucking Joe Rogan. You know, and their whole thing is like, oh, I'm shit at stand-up, so I'll make a podcast thing, you know, blaming the woke, why I don't get booked. Like, that is their shtick. If trigonometry was just sitting around cracking jokes about self-checkouts and what it's like to be a teacher, like their sets used to be, it would be fucking shit. No one would watch it. But because they're alt-right, and because they buy into cancel culture, and this, you know, you've been silenced by the woke, that fucking bullshit, then they end up with sponsorship and flights to Texas to talk about how they think all British comedians are shit. Which in itself is fucking hilarious, but I know I'm going on a rant here, but just humour me. It is hilarious. It is paradoxical. Because it's like, these two guys who host this show, Trigonometry, are out there on Joe Rogan, saying how British comedians are shit, you're only there because you're British and shit. If you'd been any good, you'd be on the same god-awful panel shows as the rest of the class of 2015 open mic. But instead, you went off and started a podcast that tapped into this sort of faux-pression, angry, anti-woke shit. But now you're there on Joe Rogan complaining how British stand-ups are shit. But if you solved that problem yourself, you would fucking disappear. God. Took me a while to get fired up today, but oh, I'm there. Anyway, wouldn't I just be a Tory? Like growing a podcast, getting Patreons, getting booked for media appearances, ending up on Joe Rogan. It would be so much easier if I just went, yeah, I'm, I'm alt right now, guys. Well, like I just woke up one morning in 2020, you know, you, do you know what? I might start a podcast. My girlfriend would be like, Oh yeah, okay. Um, yeah, you should make it about your uh, your cruel and mean, you know, right wing beliefs. I think there's a definite market. No, no, no. I think that's uh, I think that's too easy. I think that's you know. I want to make this character building. I'm going to position myself as a left leaning voice to make it so much harder to get sponsorship and Patreon. Well, that sounds a bit silly, Aid. I don't. You're making it hard for yourself. Yeah, I know. But it's you know, I like a challenge. Anyway, my point is, you know, Starmer gets a lot of shit for being this red Tory. It would be so much easier for him to just be a Tory. And that is the thing I keep coming back to whenever I see this stuff. The flack that he gets for not supporting this uh, protest or this group of people or that initiative. I'm always like, it makes more sense to me that he's playing the long game and then he will address some of these issues than that he's some sort of secret conservative. Guys, that's it. That's all I've got time for. I've been rabbiting away for a fucking hour. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, both the solo shows and the guested ones that I do on Friday, uh, recent guests include people like Dane Baptiste, uh, Gemma Forte, uh, Marina Perkis. If you're enjoying all of it, why not jump on the Patreon? It's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end of it uh you get episodes of the pod two days before everybody else uh you get access to our discord chat where i pop in there every day and we talk shit about tories we talk about politics uh we're arranging meetups we did one in october in brick lane i'm going to do another one probably in april now it's going to be in march but i think we're going to push it back to april so more of the patreons can make it to it um, I'm doing a live show in Soho on Friday the 10th of February, along with Super Tansky. Uh, Marina Perkis is actually making an appearance now. Uh, Jolly uh, and Rubenstein. Sorry, I can't talk. Um, clearly, I've said too many words. and My mouth is now out of energy and failing. Um, 
yeah, Jolly on Rubenstein uh, will hopefully be there also. Um, who else have we got on the bill? Denise Headley, Ashley Hayden. It's going to be a real good night. It's called the Riot Society. Um, starts at 7.30 and then there's an after party afterwards. I'm really looking forward to it. It is sold out. But the reason I mention it is because the tickets for shows like that, and there will be another one, uh, are going out on the Patreon first. So if you want access to those tickets before they sell out, uh, jump on patreon.com forward slash aid thompson with an i n on the end um once again want to just give a quick shout out to all of the patreon backers you guys make this all worthwhile it's really nice to see that you value it as much as i enjoy putting it together um so i'm just going to say a quick shout out named credits right at the end of the show see this is what you get uh thanks very much to Stuart, anthony pingu david alex and chris and then Rax, Ricardo, Silent, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah and Kerry. Uh, doff of the cap to you all. I'll be back on Friday night with a guest. Until next time, take care of yourselves. I'm outie.